Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everyone. You are looking mighty fine this morning. So good to have you here. Uh, I know that uh, life is busy, and there's always things pulling for our time, so I always appreciate when you are able to make the effort uh, to be here on Sunday morning, especially as we go into summer mode. We love our weekends, and so many people are away at cottages and all that, and so we're glad that you're here this morning. For those who are here for the first time, or the first time in a long time, I need to let you on the inside scoop. And that scoop is, we are a church on a mission, and that mission is to connect people to Jesus and to one another. That's what we're all about around here. I also want to give a friendly shout out to those who are joining us online uh, this morning. Thank you for inviting us into your space this morning. And one of the things that we have realized that some of the people that are joining us actually watch us from out of town. Week after week, out of town. And so my invitation is, if you ever find yourself in Sarnia, we'd love to have you join us for one of our services. Uh, One of the things you'll discover is that Temple Baptist Church has some of the finest people in the country and some of the friendliest people in the country right here. Yes, thank you, Jane. That's so true. Well, uh, according to Facebook, there was a big graduation this weekend. Is that true? Wow. Wow. I guess they're still suffering from a hangover or something. I mean, sleep deprivation, I meant that kind of hangover, right? Uh, Congratulations uh, to all of our graduates. It was pretty exciting to see it on Facebook. I have to say, we have some fine-looking graduates uh, right here amongst our own church. And um, so congratulations this morning. Well, three weeks ago, we began a series, and we've been trying to answer the question, what do you do when God is not doing what what we thought Uh, he should be doing. And um, I thought what I would do this morning, since this is our third week, and for those who have been here, I would throw out a pop quiz just to see if anyone's been paying attention the last three weeks or if I'm just doing this for the last three weeks. So I'm going to start off with this opening question. We're studying the book of... Yes, it's true. He's a minor prophet. It's such a tiny little book in the Bible, it's so easy to miss, right? Like it's uh, three chapters, two and a half pages long. And so yes, we're studying the book of Habakkuk. And one of the things about Habakkuk, Habakkuk is filled with, oh, a little tougher, questions, you're right. And not those frilly, um, easy questions, you know, these are Tough questions. These are like in-your-face questions. These are the kind of questions that when they're asked in a room, it causes tension in the air. Not easy questions at all. And Habakkuk is constantly bombarding, flooding God with questions. Now, we, we don't know a lot about this prophet, to be honest with you. But we do know what his name means. His name means to... Thank you. Somebody was listening. It means to embrace or to wrestle. Thank you for the one person who was listening last week. That's right. And Habakkuk did actually both. He embraced God and he wrestled with him at the exact same time. So, uh, so some of you are listening. That's great. Uh, we'll continue on with that. But it seems as though uh, Habakkuk keeps pointing his finger at God. And it's like he's accusing uh, God. 
It's like he wants to say, God, you're guilty of this area, and, and, I, and I don't like it. And what we're discovering is actually Habakkuk's faith is unraveling. He's hit a, uh, a wall in his face. It's like a, a crisis of belief. It's uh, like he's, he's um, confused. He, he's frustrated because God is not doing what he thinks God should be doing. And I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. The first question that Habakkuk asks is where are you, God, when I need you? He, he, he's just struggling, like, God, I, I, I'm praying, I'm crying out to you. Where are you when I need you? Your silence is deafening. Your silence, Lord, is, is it's noticeable. And, and it's driving me crazy because I, I don't sense that you're anywhere to be found. And probably most of us have asked that question sometime in our life. You know, maybe we've never verbalized it, but we have thought it. Like, where, where is God? And one of the things I love of what the scripture tells us is that God actually invites us to bring our big questions, the big, heavy questions. He, he's a big God. He, he's not intimidated by our questions. In fact, he invites us to have our questions. And some of you may say, well, I know God is not intimidated by my questions, but isn't it a little irrelevant? Reverend, to bring those kind of questions to God? No. No, because you look at the Old Testament and you look at the New Testament and you can look at a lot of prophets from days gone by who had lots of questions, were confused and frustrated, like, especially like Habakkuk, who has all these questions and not once does God ever say to Habakkuk, hey buddy, whoa, whoa, buddy, buddy, you back up. Don't you be asking those kind of questions. No. He invites us with our questions because I believe God wants to be in conversation with us. Now, you know, I originally thought that this series was going to be three weeks. Three weeks, uh, one week in each chapter. And so far, we've gotten to verse four. So uh, it's going to be a little longer than uh, the three weeks that I originally attended. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you, you, you know we, we said Habakkuk is upset. Um, Josiah the king who was a godly king for 31 years, has been killed by the Egyptians. And, and obviously that doesn't make sense to, um, to Habakkuk, but that's not really what he's angry about. Yes, he was devastated by that, but in those first four verses, he's not, he's not angry because Josiah is dead. What he is upset about is that all the work that Josiah has done, for 31 years he's been reforming the country, people have been called back to God, what, what is troubling to Habakkuk is now Josiah's son Jehoiakim is on the throne and, it, and Judah is going back to their old ways. I mean, all those beautiful statues that were once for idols for false gods that Josiah tore down, Jehoiakim's building them up again. And so the people of God are, are, are once again going back to their old ways. And that is very frustrating to Habakkuk. Lord, why are you allowing this? Your own people. We worked so hard for reformation in our, in our country, and now it's like you are just idly watching your people go back uh, to their old ways. Like, how can you watch this happen, God? Well, there's another question that Habakkuk is going to bring up. And 
And I think it's a question that we ask too. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the book of Habakkuk this morning. The book of Habakkuk. I know it's a kind of a hard book to find because it's so small. But if you open up your Bible and you hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've gone too far. Go back about 15, 16 pages. There's about four or five prophets there in a row that all just have a couple pages. And we're going to pick up our story in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. You there? Okay. Thank you for the one person that looked it up. Okay. We're going to pick up at verse 5. But before we do that, just go back to verse 2. Remember it says, Habakkuk says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help and you do nothing? So keep that in mind. And then it says, this is God telling Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if I were to tell, told you. Now, when you first read that verse, the first thing that comes to your mind, like, oh my goodness, God's going to do something so amazing. He's going to call his people back to him. He's going to do big things. He's going to show off his glory. He's going to put the big fireworks show on for all of us to see. You can imagine, when I read that, I think of Habakkuk, must, his heart must have been pounding, like, okay, okay, what's going to happen? It's going to be so amazing, because God says, you just look and see what I'm about to do. So I would think, after all the complaining that Habakkuk has done, God makes that comment there. You think, okay, he's going to do something He's going to do something amazing for me. And so I believe there's almost like a little bit of excitement. His heart is racing. He's ready for good news after he's accused God for four verses of not being around and not answering. God's getting ready to speak. And what we're about to read and what a back is about to hear is the oracle in verse 1, remember it says, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. This is now the burden that Habakkuk is being given. It's heavy. Because God is speaking to Habakkuk and he is to give that word out to the nation. And so what God is about to tell him, honestly, is going to trouble the prophet of God. So let's continue to read. In verse 6, he says, I am raising up the Babylonians. Just stop for one second there. Who are the Babylonians? If you grew up in church, you probably have heard that, that, that group before, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, Book of Daniel. A couple of weeks ago, remember, I kind of drew that map of the Mediterranean, and there's a Mediterranean, and Judah is right along the Mediterranean, and on the bottom part is the Egyptian Empire, and on the top is the Assyrian Empire, and then in the middle where Kuwait is today, modern-day Kuwait, is, is Babylon. And in 620, nobody ever heard of Babylon. Like, who, Babylon? By 614, six years later, they had already uh, captured the capital city of Assyria. By 610, just a couple years later, they had overthrown Nineveh, that mighty city of Nineveh. By 608, they had already taken over um, Hebron, where Abraham was born. So out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, rises this nation that is now just going to sweep through the world. So let's continue to read. So God's saying, I am, going to, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless impetuous people 
who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places that are not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Remember, this has not happened yet. This is a prophecy that's going to happen. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry uh, gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. And then here's where Habakkuk comes with his second complaint. Oh, Lord. Whoa. Oh, Lord. Are, are you not from everlasting? Like, my God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment? Oh, oh Rock, you, you have ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? Why the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in the dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys choice foods. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Habakkuk's question here is, God, this seems absolutely unfair what you're doing. I mean, God, just earlier I was pointing my finger at you and saying, you're nowhere to be found. And now all of a sudden, you tell me what you're about to do, and it makes me realize that you are unfair. Unfair. What we just read here, history actually records that this prophecy did happen. Surprise, surprise. Habakkuk prophesied it, God performed it, and history confirmed exactly what took place here, what was prophesied. I think if we're honest this morning, all of us probably have had that same question that Habakkuk had, has had. God, you don't seem fair. We've all seen events you know, that have taken place or certain circumstances transpire, and it doesn't seem as though God is being fair. And that's what Habakkuk's question is. And if we're really, really honest, we would say, yeah, I, I've looked at a few things and I wonder that myself. If you live long enough, there will be a day, there will be an hour, there will be a season, there will be a time when you're at loss as to what God is doing. And honestly, it makes no sense. You're not gonna be able to see what God's doing. In fact, it may even hurt. Anyone who lives long enough will one day come to that point where it just doesn't make sense. So I'm so grateful where Psalm 51, when it says, the broken and contrite in heart I will not despise. 
So when we go, Lord, help me, this makes no sense, the Bible says, hey, I don't reject that kind of a call, the broken and those who are uh, broken and have a contrite heart. You know, I, I have to admit, even this summer, I, uh, I've, I've said to the Lord, I, I don't, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, number one, we try to put on a day camp that is like over the top. Like, we want to be the best that we possibly can be. And one of the things over the last number of years is that we've been very fortunate to, you know, receive a, a government grant to hire students. So, because we want to hire the best students and that are going to have impact on, on young lives. And so when the government decided this year that, uh, well, we're not going to give out grants to people of faith who do not agree with our ideology, it was like, Lord, why would you... Why? Why would you allow them to make that kind of decision? We just want to do our best. And, we, and we're so thankful that for that extra $10,000 that can help hire students. And so, I, I, you know, you begin to ask yourself, God, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense why you would shut that down. When we really want to, to do our best at day camp. You know, maybe you're here and you're saying, God, I, I, I'm trying to do my best. I, I don't cheat on my taxes. I, I give 10% to the church. I tithe my money. I give 15% uh, at, at restaurants to the servers. But I'm, I'm having a lot of financial pressure. And yet there's Rick and Leah down the street who couldn't give a hoot about you. And you seem to be just blessing them financially. And then to come find out, Rick and Leah plan on buying my business. Like, Lord, why would you use them? I mean, Lord, I know I have my own weak points. And there's times maybe I don't walk the straight and narrow. But for the most part of my life, I try to, you know, honor you. Try to live the way you want me to live. And yet you're going to use those people to correct me? I mean, it's kind of like, um, you know, God saying, you know, I'm going to use North Korea to correct Canada. You're like, what? That country? Do you know all the violations that happened in that country, the, the human rights and everything? You're going to use them to correct us? I know in Canada we have our problems, but come on. Or it'd be like, you know, God saying to the nation of Israel, I'm going to use Hezbollah, your dreaded enemy, to correct you. And we would say, God, that makes absolutely no sense. And Habakkuk cannot figure out why God would use wicked, ruthless, cruel, godless nation to correct God's people. How is it possible, God, that you could use those people to correct us? I know I'm guilty with this area, and, and I would say probably a lot of us may be. You know how sometimes we just categorize sin like there are just some sins that are worse than other sins. We have a shelf for the small sins. We have a nice tidy shelf for the medium-sized sins, right? And then we got a reinforced shelf for the larger sins. And then we use steel beams, you know, for the extra large sins. And then we have the double extra large sins. We, we have our own tier of sins. And there's no doubt there are certain sins that have greater consequences uh, than others. But somehow, sometimes we rate what sin is worse than others. Like some people in the church may say, well, homosexuality is, well, that's worse than fornication. Because like, maybe fornication, maybe that's just natural, but that's not natural. So that's got to be worse. Or maybe some would say, 
You know, adultery is worse than pornography. Or someone say, you know, lying is worse than maybe gluttony. See, you know, we all have our own scale. And, and I think that's what Habakkuk is dealing with. Like, Lord, like, I, I know we have problems. I know we have sin in our life. But their sin is far worse than our sin. So why would you use them? Let's just call it what it is. Habakkuk, a prophet of God, is confused. It's like he's, he's in a fog bank and he cannot see three feet in front of him. Habakkuk's mind is spinning. God, I, I don't understand this. <laughs> not only do I not understand it, God, I don't like it either. I'm, I'm not happy with this outcome. It's like, it's like Habakkuk wants to stand up and object. God, I want to argue this one out with you. God, you are... It feels like you are guilty of abandoning us, but now you're treating us unfairly. And Habakkuk just doesn't, doesn't get it. In fact, isn't it true that sometimes we try to make sense out of life, especially when things don't go the way we plan, especially when they don't go according to the plan that we gave God to bless we begin to find ourselves in that dip that we talked about a couple weeks ago, that crisis of belief. If you haven't caught the last couple of messages, I encourage you to go online to see what we're talking about when I say the dip. I mean, I, I think all of us can relate. Can you relate? I mean, I can relate what Habakkuk is dealing with. You know, something goes awry, and you can't quite put your finger on it, but something is not right, and we begin to slide down that dip, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But not everyone slides down. Some people, it seems as though you just have a free fall, and you hit yourself down to the bottom of the pit, and you try to pull yourself up and dust yourself off, and, and, and you're hurting. And it seems like you wonder if anything will ever really change. What we have here in this book of Habakkuk, which no wonder God says it's going to blow you or your mind. Like the, look at the nation's sea. Because God is getting ready to bring, believe it or not, discipline to his own people. And Habakkuk has a question as to, but why them? Like, who, God? Like, the Babylonians? Habakkuk, obviously, his perspective is, is, is kind of twisted because his expectation is not meeting his experience. And we've talked about this last couple of weeks. There's that gap, what we expect God to do and then what we are experiencing. And it's in that gap that sometimes we will make some bad choices as we're trying to figure out what God is doing. You know, God, we're nothing like the Babylonian people. You know that. Like, you, you do see we're nothing like them. And, the back is, and God, what I see you doing, it does not line up with who I think you are. And when I read this, I, I feel the tension that Habakkuk has. It's, it's, like, it's like God is being confronted uh, with his actions, because Habakkuk could not reconcile God's actions to who God was. You know, I, I know that God oftentimes will allow, you know, some tough things in our life. I, I, I know that. 
But then there are times that actually God ordains tough times in our life. And, and here, it's like God is ordaining what's going to happen for the people of God. So when you're going through certain circumstances and you ask yourself, God, how could you allow this? Sometimes we need to take a step back. He didn't just sometimes allow it. Sometimes he ordained it. And you say, why? Why would he do that? Sometimes he does it for reproof, for correction, to grow me up, to develop me, to mature me, to make me what I need to be that I never would be if it wasn't for the trial or the correction or the discipline. And for some of you right now, you may feel like you are in a box, that there's no way out. You feel like God has put you, has left you. But I want to tell you, actually, God has showed up. God has shown up. See, Habakkuk is having a hard time reconciling God's action with his nature. I can't reconcile, God, my pain and your action. Sometimes it's not so much, by the way, the thing that we're going through. It's the people that are in the midst of it all. That's harder. You know, I have this business, God. I I try to honor you with my business practices. Um, My numbers are, are down no matter what I do. Uh, That's not the hard part. The hard part is when you know Joe down the street is on his fifth marriage, cares nothing about God, cheats on his wife, wicked, perverse, and his prophets keep climbing up the window. That's when it gets hard. That is the part that's hard. And it's no wonder Habakkuk is suggesting that God... You're not being fair by choosing the Babylonians to correct your own people. Yes, Lord, I know, I know, I know I need to be corrected at times. I know I need to grow up. I know I need to be developed. I know I need to be mature. But come on. You're, look at the people that you're using to do that in my life. So you completely feel the tension that Habakkuk, this prophet of God, is having with God. Habakkuk's complaint is, yes, we have a problem but you can't look on sin, God, because your eyes are so pure, and yet you are using those reprobates to correct us. I mean, yes, we may be bad, but those guys are far worse than who we are. And Lord, my complaint isn't that we need to be corrected. That's not my complaint, Lord. My complaint is who you're using to correct me. It's that guy. I don't know about you, but I really can't stand injustice. It kind of just kind of gets under me. You know, we see someone treating someone else unfairly, and there's something that rises up inside of us and says, we got to do something about that. It just isn't fair. It isn't right. Something needs to be done to correct this inequality. And Abaka is saying, this isn't fair. I don't know. If you ever watch like Law and Order or CSI, and you know, they're, they're trying to feel, find who's guilty, and, and, and most of the time they get the guy, but sometimes there'll be a show that the guy... They can't get enough evidence, and he walks away, and you're like, oh, the injustice. Someone rewrite that show. It just rises up inside of you. You watch Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, and you go like, when justice is not done, you shut that TV off, and you write Hollywood. 
And Habakkuk is saying, God, look, look at their, look at their actions. They're arrogant people. In fact, we just read, it says, you know, it's like they're out fishing and they use their hook to catch people and if the hook doesn't work, then they use their nets to grab those people and if that doesn't work, they take drag nets and grab everybody. And God, that's what you're going to use. I, I, I just can't believe you use this kind of people. Verse 15, we find, God, they don't even acknowledge who you are. Why would you use them? And then in 17, he says, and, and how long is this going to go on, God? That you're going to be unfair. Habakkuk has objections with God. This can't be right. This just doesn't seem fair, God. And for some of you, you find yourself in the most difficult season of your life. And you, it doesn't seem fair what you're going through. You know, I've had some close friends. I've had pastor friends who have called me, you know, just in despair with these same questions. I feel like God's abandoned me. I, I feel like he's treating me unfairly, Donald. And when I'm in those conversations, I mean, my heart breaks for them. And, and, and I understand why you have these questions, why it seems that way. The perception of God is, is, is nowhere to be found. But let me tell you, God isn't far away. In fact, he's very, very close. Habakkuk's perception is God is not fair. And so far, all we have heard is Habakkuk's point of view. But we really haven't heard God's point of view. In fact, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, the first one to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. See, so far, we're only hearing one side of the story. It's Habakkuk's side of the story. And I read a verse like that, and it makes me want to hear God's side of the story. Sometimes it seems so slow for God to move on something. But wait, truth becomes clearer over time. I can relate to Habakkuk, I really can. I've had this perspective at times. And that's why going to a small group, that's why going to a Bible study, that's why maybe going to a prayer group, maybe that's going to church helps me correct my perspective of who God is and what he's doing. Do you find yourself in a box today? Do you find yourself in a very challenging season of life? Are you in a troubled marriage? Have you made bad decisions that now are coming back? and you're paying the consequences of those decisions? Are you struggling with health issues? Are you lonely? Jesus actually says, come to me, all you who are heavy, I'll give you rest. There are times, the truth is there are times we could not handle if God actually told us what he was about to do in our lives. And Habakkuk is, where is God? And the thing is, God is at work, even though Habakkuk can't see him. God is at work, even though Habakkuk cannot see him. I like the fact. In fact, I love the fact that God is doing and working, even when I can't see him. 
even when it seems as though he's nowhere to be found. The Bible tells us, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. He's at work. Because he, he's always working behind the scenes of your life. He is always working. By the way, for his glory and your joy, he's always at work. Sometimes we don't realize that for us to have a higher level of intensity in our relationship with God, there's gonna be some times that it's gonna be a hard road to haul. Tough, tough things in our life. But it, it does something in our relationship. You know, when you see a married couple who has a boatload of things that they're trying to work through, that, you know, problems that have just been poured on them, Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's rebellious children, maybe it's, it's a terminally ill child, maybe it's financial stress, and, and it just gets poured on, and when they come through at the other end, you see that their intimacy as a couple is far greater than it would ever have been before that. And that's what oftentimes God will do with those circumstances. Habakkuk has hit a crisis of belief because God is not acting the way he planned for God to act. And it's like his faith is beginning to unravel. Has that ever happened to you? Do, you? do you ever feel like there are certain seasons in your life that God just seems more powerful in your life than others? Well, that's what Habakkuk is dealing with. And in chapter one, Habakkuk is wondering. He's wondering, God, what are you doing? Wondering, are you going to do anything? Are you going to do something about this mess? Wondering, God, where are you? Wondering, God, why you are treating people so unfairly? And next week when we dive into chapter 2, Habakkuk is in the season of waiting. I feel like stab me with a knife. That's the hardest one for me is the wait. It's like, one of, it's like a four-letter word, W-A-I-T, wait. I hate it. And that's what we're going to find out in the next chapter. With Habakkuk, he is forced to wait on God. We're so used to instantaneous, like, God, God, come on, move, 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 move. You know, anybody wait more than three minutes at McDonald's? It's like, fire the manager, seriously. <laughs> right? Like, we're so used to just quick responses. But sometimes we forget that God's love isn't a pampering in love. It's a perfecting love. Big difference. God's love is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. Let me just share with some verses with you that I, I hope will encourage you no matter what stage of life you find yourself. You know, maybe you're on the mountaintop this week. You're like, everything's going so good. Awesome, fantastic. These verses will continue to encourage you. Maybe you find yourself on the slide, on that dip. And you're just kind of hanging on, like, God, what's, what's, uh, it doesn't seem like something's missing. You know, maybe today you're finding yourself, I don't know if I even believe God anymore. Because my expectation of God is not matching my experience of God. Well, I think God knew that we would go through seasons like that. And that's why God's word gives us promises I think that we can hang on to during those tough times. 
As I said, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy and laden. Like when you're just so weighed down and you wonder, God, where are you? Come to him, he'll give you rest. What about Deuteronomy 31, 6? You can be strong. You can be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. And he will neither fail you nor abandon you. What about 1 Peter 5, 7? Cast all your anxiety, all your cares, all your burdens on him. Why? Because he desperately cares for you. That's why you can do that. What about Hebrews 3, 5, and 6? God says, I will, ne- I will never leave you. But it feels like you have. Yeah, but the truth is I have never left you. And he says, I will never forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Though man come against me. The Bible is chock filled with those promises for the, for the child of God. When you find yourself in a season that your experience is not matching what you expect from God, you can be reminded you are not left on your own. You're not left to fight the battle on your own. But that actually God goes before you. And with confidence, each and every day that you live, you can know that God is working. He's working behind the scenes of your life, even though you sometimes can't feel like you can trace his hand. He's always working. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes I'm always amazed that a a man like Habakkuk who lived thousands of years ago is somebody I can relate to. Lord, sometimes we put prophets of God on pedestals and we read a story like this and we go my oh my I'm just like him I'm like him I have my questions I have my doubts and God I'm I'm thankful that we can come to you and and just say God help me with my doubts because right now I'm doubting help me help me in my disbelief my unbelief. And God, for those who are here this morning that are in a season of their life that is extremely hard, extremely painful, and they're just questioning, God, where are you? God, what's going on? God, would you remind them this morning that you are not far from the brokenhearted. God, remind them of the promises that though you do not see me, I will go before you. Though sometimes you can't trace my hand, I'm right beside you. God, help us to know that you are doing a work in our lives, that you are shaping us and molding us to be all that you created us to be. So Lord, we pray that you will help us to trust you and remind us when we wonder where you are or question what you're doing, that you're at work, ultimately for your glory and for our joy and for our good.